The season of Advent prepares us to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a gift of wisdom and fire. And typically, um, the tradition speaks of three Advents of Christ during the season. There are three comings of Christ that we meditate upon, and the two that come to mind first is last week when we meditated upon that sublime and unfamiliar scene uh, that wait, awaits us in the future of Christ's second coming. And then, of course, the familiar and quiet scene of the crash. Yet the third advent, which is sometimes overlooked, is the one that comes to us today. Christ, by his grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit, coming into our very souls. And so the church sort of takes us and transports us to the region of the Jordan River, a desert. And we hear a voice sweeping across the land from John the Baptist, this camel-haired prophet, crying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have to remember that the kingdom of heaven is within So in this gospel vignette, we see all Judea, the whole region of the Jordan, going out to John for repentance and baptism. Swarms of people sought water in the desert to be cleansed and and to become united with God. And throughout the history of the church, men and women seeking God and a life of penance have gone out to the desert for solitude and suffering. And the barren land of silence is the optimal setting to encounter one's own sins, to make reparation for them, and to receive God. And it's for this reason, we, when we read of the desert, we can see our very souls in that setting. And so if you go to the very beginnings of Christianity, shortly after the apostolic era and the massive persecutions, men and women sought holiness out in the desert. And so there's this collection of of people, the Desert Fathers, and St. Anthony of Egypt is one of the most famous. And they've passed on uh, the wisdom of the spiritual life, these lessons they gained out in that harsh setting Um, And they've come down to us in uh, the sayings of the Desert Fathers. So if you go on Amazon, you can find these. Or um, conferences, which are these amazing stories where there's very vivid imagery, right? So there's some moral lessons, some insight to the spiritual life. You know, uh, one of the monks starts sneaking food at the inappropriate time. So he's possessed by a, a spirit of gluttony and becomes obese, or a monk steals something from another and he ends up falling into a well. So there's these really, um, these stories kind of sear into our memories uh, these spiritual lessons. And one of them seems fitting to meditate upon today when we consider Christ giving us uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And so it's a conversation that takes place between a, a more Elder Abba, as they're, they're called, and a, and a younger one seeking to progress in the spiritual life. 
So Abba Lot went to see Abba Joseph uh, for counsel. And so he, he tells him, Abba, as far as I can see, I say my little office. I fast a little. I pray and meditate. I live in peace. And as far as I can, I, I purify my thoughts. He asks, what else can I do? So as it goes, the old man stood up and stretched out his hands towards heaven. His fingers became like ten lamps of fire. And he said to him, If you will, you can become all flame. Repentance is not just about avoiding hellfire, although we wish to avoid that. It's also about being ignited with the fire of God's own love, the Holy Spirit coming into your very soul with all of his gifts. And so John the Baptist this week calls you to turn to God because God wishes to accomplish in and through you something greater than you could ever ask or imagine. The flame of Abbot Joseph is none other than the tongue of fire that rested upon the apostles' heads at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon the church. And the sign announcing the Spirit's presence was always with Jesus. There was not one moment of his earthly life in which the Spirit did not rest upon him. And so this is what our first reading is uh, teaching us. The prophet Isaiah proclaims, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and of understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and a fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. In this prophecy which precedes Christ by some 500 years, uh, is typically taken, and like if you go to the catechism, you'll see this passage on the section on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these are the sort of sails that God puts within us that allows the Holy Spirit to move us by his wind so that we can be moved by God in a divine mode. And so to to become inflamed with the Holy Spirit, for Christ to baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire, means for these gifts to be animated, to be moved by God. And just quickly running through them, the, the gift of the fear of the Lord is a filial fear which takes away all of our desire that would seek something other than God. We fear one thing, being separated from him. And the gift of fortitude, it strengthens our faith in such a way that it destroys our fear of death. We have no fear of death when this gift is animated. The gift of counsel allows God to advise others through us so that when we advise someone, it's God himself speaking to that soul. Every priest prays for this in the confessional. 
And the gift of knowledge allows us to become like the prophet Koheleth, who wrote Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The gift of knowledge allows us to judge the things of creation in light of the things of heaven, to where we see what they are. They're smoke, that vanity. They're nothing. The gift of understanding gives us a contemplative gaze into the mystery of God. And it enables us to actually relish and delight in truth. So you could think of having being so taken aback by something beautiful, whether it's a work of art, an opera, uh, an amazing scene in the mountains, and that sort of delight at encountering such a great beauty. The gift of understanding allows you to hear doctrine in that same animation to where you hear true God from true God, light from light. Or in the hymns we'll hear later on, lo, he did not abhor the virgin's womb. These truths of Christ and the Trinity become delightful with the gift of understanding. But the gift that we all need to ask for, the gift that we all wish to receive, is that of wisdom. Because wisdom orders all things sweetly. If you go to Wisdom chapter 8, very first verse, wisdom orders all things sweetly. The gift allows our whole being to be taken up into God's action, his ordering of all time and history and creation, because it allows us to order our souls. Well, it's not us who really order it. It's God himself who orders our souls and orders our actions and our family life around us and even our workplace in accord with charity so that you yourself become an agent of wisdom So this week, we're called to repentance and to clear out and make straight the paths of the Lord so that we might be animated by Christ's own spirit. And if we turn to him, we'll know the power of Isaiah's words. By the breath of his mouth, he will slay all wickedness. In the sacrament of confession, when Father says those words of absolution, Christ speaks with his spirit, right? The breath of his lips. That word in Hebrew is behurah, which is uh, indicative of the spirit. That's the same word, ruah. It's the same spirit, same word for spirit. And so it's this reality in the sacraments that Christ, through his minister, through the priest, breathes forth in love the workings of the Holy Spirit. And so when we go and present our contrition and our sorrow for our sins in that sacrament. Christ, by, that, by those words, annihilates our sins, slays that wickedness, gives us new life. It makes us ready to receive the Holy Spirit. And so much like Lent, it's a great practice in Advent as well to go to confession at least once during this season. And then to realize the promise that Christ wishes to ignite you with the flame of the Holy Spirit. And if you ask him, he will give you wisdom. 